Welcome to the Mike on Much Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Veerman. I'm here with my friend and trusted producer, Max Kerman. We also have our pop culture aficionado, Shane Cunningham. And as always on the dials, back, she wasn't here last week, intern Erica. Guys, how's everybody doing? Erica, are you feeling better? We missed you last week. Yes, much better, much better. It was actually funny because last episode, Shane described his like sort of panic attack. Is that what you think it was, Shane? Mini panic, yeah. Yeah, that was kind of what I had, too. It's just a scary time to feel under the weather, I think, but I'm feeling a lot better. Yeah, it can snowball. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I think I ate something bad, and then it just, I started freaking the heck out, and so I took a a personal day. (laughs) (laughs) Well, glad you're feeling better. Glad you've joined us. What were you going to say, Maxie? Jump in. Uh, Erica, I don't know. Are we allowed to talk about your big Mm -hmm. news, or is this uh, under the radar right now? What? Oh, yeah, I probably won't talk about it on the Are you engaged? I got, I got a... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no. You're not pregnant. No, but I got um no. <laughs> okay. Not sorry. That I'm just all that you uh, say. <laughs> I got a full-time contract with MLSC hey. because hey. I got the federal funding from the Congrats. So, I'm starting work again. And we can't talk about that. So, Fuck I'm yeah. very excited. Uh, uh can so you share that? That was nice. Yeah, good, good. Well, no, I think it's great. We should celebrate. I think this. our listeners, our listeners want to know that you, they, 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 our listeners are invested in you, Erica, and I think they want it's to, true. they feel good to know that you're doing good. Yes, yeah, yeah. So I'm feeling a lot better. It's a big relief, and um, and, and we're going to take yeah. credit for this job that you just got because we sort of shepherded you along. <laughs> we're your mentors. Yeah. We're your allies. You know, right. I think this is all very you guys fair. Get credit for okay, everything. good. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> no, thank you. And manager Ash is celebrating too. Oh, she did. She's celebrating oh, the yeah. text. <laughs> but she's on, she's on mute. As always, for our listeners, uh, manager Ash is listening in. She listens to all these. She's like she's like monitors the the, the pod in real time. It's very uh, it's very comforting to know that she's listening in. Everything's better uh, with manager Ash. Let's jump in though to uh, to what we're going to talk about uh, before we sort of get to topics. Let's talk about something very big that happened in Canada. Uh, so many Canadians watched it. In fact, it was the most watched live event outside of a sporting event in Canadian history. Uh, it was the Stronger Together concert uh, of which uh, our pr- producer and, and friend Max Kerman and Arkells were a part of. It was a huge thing. And Max, I got to say, I was impressed. You guys got like a nice late slot when everybody, yeah. they said it peaked at a certain point. We saw some ratings mm-hmm. news through work today and it said it peaked in in the very, uh, in the very end, right in the sweet spot where I believe you were, my friend. Oh, that's good to know. Uh, I did not know. Um, you know, we usually convince ourselves that whatever spot we get in a program, whether it's the Junos or the MMVAs or this, it's the best <laughs> spot. That's what we always tell ourselves. But um, it did feel pretty good that we landed right between Bieber and Drake. <laughs> and when the word got out that Drake was closing the show, we figured people are going to be sticking around, which is, you know, what you want. Because sometimes later in the show, people tune out if it's not good. Like if you think about like the, you know, the VMAs or some award show, it's like sometimes the heart of the show is actually off the top or in the middle. Um, but because it was only an hour and a half and because there was no commercials, so people, no one was flipping away. And because it was on every single network across the country, uh, you know, uh, people just kind of uh, stay tuned in. And it was also at a point in time when everybody is just so sick of any streaming options they have right now. Like, do you know what I mean? Like we're in this era of the quarantine where it's like, uh, sure, I'll watch this thing. You know what I mean? It's like, it's easy not to watch live television sometimes if you're like, oh, I'm in the middle of this other show on Netflix or on Prime or whatever, or Crave. But um, but this well, show- Well, I tried like, flipping away, but when you try to flip away, it's on that <laughs> other channel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so you can't escape the thing. 
<laughs> no, it's true. It was across every single network, and it was available on all the streaming platforms too. Or just like if you have like the global app or the City TV app or whatever. Um, but yeah, we were super happy to be involved in it. It was interesting to hear it kind of come together behind the scenes because you know, as the American networks were putting together their, you know, benefit concerts, their online or at home benefit concerts, uh, we were wondering who's going to take the lead in Canada. And of course, Randy Lennox, who runs the show, who's your boss at Bell, uh, he, I guess he was the one who helped broker the deal to have all the networks involved, which made it feel that much more kind of communal, community based, and, you know, everybody's kind of pulling together, um, as we should right now. And uh, yeah, when they asked us, to be a part of it, we were very excited. And so Ash and I were chatting and we're like, oh, what if we we kind of lean into graduation season right now? Because there's a lot of grads that have been uh, tagging us using our song Years in the Making for Grads. So oh, what if we surprise somebody, like a a grad at McMaster, and and just serenade them with that song? So then we texted uh, Sophie Langlois, who's the daughter of Paul Langlois from The Tragically Hip, who goes to McMaster. She's in third year university. And so we said, hey, so if we were trying to do something nice for a fourth-year student, do you have anybody who's like, you know, an overachieving, do-gooder, uh, you know, Arkells fan? Like, do, do anybody come to mind? And she's like, oh, I'm just a little lady for you. Like, she got back to us in like three minutes. And she was like, and she told us all about this young lady, Ava Harrison, who uh, is in health sciences. She was organizing the grad gala dinner. She's already got um, a master. She's got accepted to a master's program at Oxford University in England. And she was like, this this was my welcoming rep. She's the best. And as soon as the rally went on sale, she was texting all of us about getting tickets. She loves you guys. Do this. So like, okay, that sounds, okay, this is a good idea. So she put us in touch with her boyfriend who, who she's been quarantining with and her family uh, in Oakville, just down the road. And... The boyfriend. Wait a second. So the wait, the boyfriend's living with the family. Yeah, yeah, he's living with the family right now. So, and we knew we needed a mule on the inside uh, to to pull this thing off because we couldn't just like knock on her door because that we don't want to throw in the whole family. I off. think you're looking for the word mole. <laughs> Is it a, a mule like carries things in and out of the house like drugs? Like a drug, like a drug mule. Is it a, is it a mole or a mule? A, a mole is like an inside agent. You know what's so funny? I've been doing. Uh, I've been doing a lot of press over the last three days, uh, or ever since it happened. Maybe it's been two days, and I keep on saying "mule" on in all my interviews. <laughs> so, uh, fuck, shit. Close um, that's such a classic. That's a classic Max <laughs> thing to do. Um, anyway, well, now you know. Five interviews too late. Yeah. Yeah. So he. Um, so we kind of filled him in, and he was like, "Okay." And then I was like, "Hey, get us in touch with your mom because maybe the mom will be helpful." So over the course of three days, we concocted this plan to to make um, a, a grad stole that thing that you go be put around your neck. Find her a gown, and the, is it Ruse or Rouse? The Rouse was going to be or the Ruse? The Ruse. The Ruse. The Ruse. Yeah. <laughs> and it's called stool, not stole. No, I'm kidding. I'm stool? kidding. I'm just doing mule mole play. I don't know what I'm doing. Sorry. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Um, Max, have you forgotten how to speak during this quarantine? Uh, somehow words are becoming confusing. Um, I don't... Maybe, but I think it also just falls in that category of just words I've never been quite sure of. You know, you can go through life and just never figure out what the right word is or like how to pronounce yeah. it. Oh, yeah. So, so unfortunate for me, there's three words in like one story that I don't know how to remember to say. But um, so anyway, the mom and dad come to pick up uh, all this grad gear at Ash's place on Sunday night because we're going to go surprise her on Monday. Uh, we met at the house, and but it was it was actually 
kind of like pulling off a heist because we you know, didn't want her to see us from outside, uh, you know, lurking about. And we didn't want her neighbors to like, why are these guys, what, that guy dressed up in this frilly jacket that says years. Why is he carrying around an acoustic guitar in our neighborhood? Like what is going on? It was like in a nice neighborhood in Oakville. Uh, so, so that was very stressful, but, uh, Ash kind of scurried out and put, uh, on her lawn, uh, the words Ava that she nice, nicely decorated with, with flowers. And, um, the idea was her, her parents told her that, there's going to be a grad photographer coming by the house to take some photos to celebrate her finishing her degree. Anyway, you guys saw the video and uh, yeah, it worked really well. The, the edit went pretty quickly and, and basically we submitted like three minutes of, uh, you know, of documentary style footage to the show and that's what they played. We, yeah, for us, the challenge was doing something that was like interesting and good television, but not five guys on a str- on a screen. Because I feel like we've seen a lot of that uh, over the last month and a half of just like guys jamming together. And and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But we just kind of wanted to see if we could be a little bit more creative than that. Yeah, mission accomplished. That's how what we did. That, it, yeah, it was awesome. But when you submit it, is it like your slot already predetermined, or do they judge how good the video is and then? slot you in appropriately it's a good question i have no idea we know Lindsay, who's one of the people who puts together the show at insight uh and i know they have to do a ton of juggling because there's so many artists that were submitting you know their work and i heard that drake uh did not submit his uh speech that he made at the end of the program till 3 30 <laughs> in the morning on saturday on sunday morning because the show was sunday night and everybody else had to have their footage in by wednesday so like we were told like get it in by wednesday or it might not make the show uh, but then, of course, you make uh, special exceptions course, for, yeah. for Mr. Drake. And yeah, and what, uh, what did you think of his of his speech? I didn't watch the show, but <laughs> I didn't. Uh, I, I didn't. Uh, I didn't see Drake's speech because I had we had it on the background. I was doing some writing for work, um, and then I kind of actually missed the last like half hour. So although I, I actually did miss yours live, Max, but because you had we had seen it, Shane and I had seen a cut of your yeah which was amazing we both we loved it and all that stuff we're like oh it's gonna be amazing but i didn't see it on television uh but then i got a text from like a buddy of mine who was outraged that i guess drake went after the prime minister spoke like like drake got the closing slot i guess of the evening and so i just got like this outraged text from a friend (laughs) of mine who's a little older and he's like why the fuck did drake go after the prime minister and i was like oh (laughs) i go I don't know why, but I can imagine Drake was like, I'll be a part of this thing as long as I close the show. <laughs> it's like even, yeah. yeah, there's a hierarchy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Erica, did you watch the show? Yeah, I did. I watched it with my parents. It was awesome. Um, yeah, the Drake part really just confused me. And and then it, it like, I, it went over time, like slightly, I think, too. Like Drake's speech was like about three minutes. It went over time by about three minutes. So it was... <laughs> It seems like that must have been what happened is it was a very late addition, but it was a little confusing, slightly preachy. But I mean, when Drake talks, people listen. So I guess it's good that he was included in the show. (laughs) Uh, Erica, what else did you like about the show? What were your other favorite moments? It was very like Canadian. Like I watched the American (laughs) one, too, and I feel like like there was... um, I don't know. This one just like fe- felt a little bit different. It felt like smaller in the sense where like it just felt closer to home, obviously. But it was just like, oh, it, it just like after both of those shows, like both of the concerts, like I just felt like such an ease. Like I feel like I like released a little bit of like emotion. I watched with my parents. They were both crying. Like I feel like everyone just did felt- you cry? 
I didn't cry, but I got real tight throat. Like my eyes welled up a little bit and I just felt a little bit more relaxed after, you know, a little bit better. That's good. I think that's what these things are meant to do. They're supposed to comfort people in these times as well as raise money. I think this raised over $6 million, yeah. which is great. It, the messaging is amazing. Yeah. But speaking of crying, you just reminded me and Max, this is an testament to you guys. Uh, my wife, Danica said that she teared up uh, at your, your video when, you know, when, uh, ah. yeah. Yeah. That's nice. Well, well, let's not give Danica too much credit. I said on the text, I teared you up. Did. Like when you texted me the video. So I teared yeah, but, up too. But Shane, I've seen you cry way more than I've seen my wife cry over the years. That's true. <laughs> I, I am a chronic crier. I cry all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree though. I thought the show was awesome. It was a good mix of just like, you know, famous people singing songs, but also just like really good storytelling from you know, coast to coast and, you know, yeah. nurses in London and, you know, the new Canadian delivering groceries. It was just like awesome. It, it really made yeah. me feel good. Speaking of nurses, I was just going to ask if Nick Nurse was mad that he wasn't a part of the show or was he a part of the show? I didn't see it. <laughs> and the, the, Raptors, the, the Raptors were repped. Uh, Surge, Surge uh, did a yeah. thing. Yeah. Okay. Um, I was going to say one thing that I thought was interesting is, uh, so Will Arnett, who is a Canadian, uh, he pops up and he does a little thing. He's, he's talking to the camera alone. He's like, oh, this time of year, the Leafs should be going for a Stanley Cup, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then his ex-wife, Amy Poehler, jumps into the frame and she's like, yes, Canada, stay safe, et cetera, et cetera. thing is, they've been divorced for like... I don't know, eight years now or something like that. She's written a book about it. He doesn't really talk about it. But I was like, this is interesting. I guess they're isolating together for their kids mm -hmm. who I don't know what age they are. But it weirdly gave me this like kind of like it made me feel good in a weird way where I'm like, ah, I like that they've come together during this time. And it made me think, I bet you there's a lot of people who maybe are separated that have young kids that are sort of like it might be easier to all stay together if that's possible. But what did you guys think when you saw Amy mm -hmm. Poehler pop into the frame? I thought the same thing. I was like, oh, this is interesting. And then uh, Lauren told me that the, I think David Beck, no, not David Beck. There's another famous, oh, Demi Moore and Bruce Willis are quarantined. Bruce together. Willis. Yeah, that's right. Ah. Uh, so, so that's nice. Aren't their kids in their 30s? Oh, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> you're you're yeah. never too old for love. <laughs> that's Loving parents. That's a fact. <laughs> Actually, it got me thinking, would you guys, if you were single, quarantine with an ex, would you would you go back to that well just to feel a sense of comfort? Like, say there was no kids involved, would it be like that maybe the last person you were dating or somebody from the past, would you be like, hey, you know what, maybe it'd be good to spend some time with somebody else and have that companionship? Yeah, I absolutely would. It's just they all hate me, so they, <laughs> they, they wouldn't reciprocate. <laughs> Uh, that's funny. You know, I don't know that many, uh, you know, people our age for the most part aren't single. I don't know. I don't know how many single friends I really have. So, but I, but we were talking about that the other day. It's like, if you were, if you were single, what, what would you do? Because it would be very tempting just to try to like sneak over to so-and-so's house. Like Erica, you might have a better insight into this. You're all your friends are probably single. Are they doing sneaking around? What's going on? <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't think my single friends have been. I think they've just been chilling. Lovely. I had one friend who who was thinking about potentially doing like one of those like first time Tinder dates on webcam, like mm -hmm. with someone who she's been talking on Tinder, but she was kind of unsure. I should I should check in to see if she did it. But mm. yeah, interesting. Lonely times. I have a friend who said that um, I won't say if it's a man or a woman, but this person is saying that. The dating scene is pretty ravenous right now. 
I, that doesn't surprise they're, me. They're getting a lot of messages. Yeah. Like to come and meet up. Oh. Like secret rendezvous and stuff. Man, phys- physicality in the age of COVID. That seems yeah. uh, lovers in a dangerous time. Okay, I'll say it's present. a man and women <laughs> are messaging him. Really? But he doesn't know what to do. Yeah. Shane, I need to know. Who, do I know this man? Yes. Oh, you got to tell me off camera. My, my, I will. I'll tell you. Oh, off I can't camera. wait to find out. Man, that's He'll crazy. actually be proud of it, but he just won't want it on the, the airwaves. Here. Yeah. Hey, speaking of celebs and, and babies, did you hear this rumor about Zayn and Gigi Hadid being pregnant together? Mm-hmm. What? Wow. Mm-hmm. Breaking news. No. I didn't know they were together. <laughs> I think they just got back together. They've been on and off again. So See? Uh, this is what on. happens. This is the quarantine thing. They got back together with their ex. Quarantine baby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, actually, I heard that Zayn and Gigi Hadid are actually uh, isolating with Will Arnett and Amy Poehler. <laughs> oh, <Whoa. laughs> that's bad. <laughs> what? Yeah, what? Come I on. still said whoa. Um, it's worth a whoa. Yeah. Um, so, guys, uh, what else has been going on? Everybody feeling good? Everybody, uh, anything else going on? Max, you got your hand up. I like that we can see each other, even though we're not together. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The hand up is actually a great technique. It's true. Yeah, that is. We should start to do that. That's good. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, seriously. So, oh, I was going to say, I just watched uh, the episodes three and four of the Jordan documentary. But then I just remembered oh, this amazing. is actually a topic that we can just start talking about right now. Hey, that, that is as smooth a segue as we're going to get. Just hammer it in there. <laughs> but what I was going to say, Mike, sorry, uh, what I was going <laughs> to say was that I feel better somehow that you're in Hamilton. It's made me feel less claustrophobic or stressed somehow. That's interesting. So welcome to Hammertown. Thank you. Oh, yeah, how was the move? Uh, oh, I mean, that's a whole other thing. Moving, maybe that's something for a whole other podcast that I won't get into, but I will oh. say moving during a pandemic is madness and... It's not without risk. But for our listeners who don't know, I, um, me and my family, we did move back to Hamilton uh, for a myriad of reasons. But ultimately, uh, yeah, I, I've said this on the podcast before, apartment living was, was difficult, but we're really happy to, uh, to be back. We're, we're here in Hamilton. Um, yeah, and it's been, it's been nice. We have all this space. Winona can run around in our backyard. Uh, yeah, we've been really lucky. But we were sad to leave Toronto and, and say goodbye. But we might be back one day once the world sort of returns to, to normal. Hey, um, I saw all your frog boxes, by the way, the, you know, yeah. the, the boxes you can rent when yeah. you're moving. I, they've been calling me. I owe them $80 because my credit card stopped <laughs> working. Uh, so don't tell them where I live. Uh, oh. But uh, Ash, uh, who said, like, did you see Mike's frog boxes, like, in his Insta story? Like, are you getting PTSD? I was like, yes, I'm definitely getting PTSD because I <laughs> was such a baby when it came to moving uh, back in September. I was, like, so miserable to be around. And, uh, yeah, so w- how would you rate uh, the movie? moving experience out of 10 even in the covid times here's the thing the move was the move was fine like we got the frog boxes delivered you know what i mean they got dropped in front of our door we didn't have to really interact too much i think something got signed but the guy was wearing a mask and all that then danica was like amazing at like filling all the frog boxes and everything and then we hired a company in toronto to basically just come and move everything back to hamilton for us and we like, you know, went to great lengths to be like, oh, are they taking COVID protocols, mask, gloves? And the woman was like, oh, absolutely. Like, of course, these are crazy times. We wouldn't move without that stuff. And then these dudes show up and like, honestly, like we could have been moving in July of last year. They were just sort of like very loose and did not. I was like, fellas, I'm like, don't you have masks? You know what I mean? And at that point, they didn't even have the gloves yet. And they were like, oh, masks, uh, we tried to do a move with the masks and we can't breathe. 
And I'm, I didn't know what else to say because now we're standing there at the apartment, just me, the, yeah. Danica and the baby back. So I'm like, do I cancel this move at this point? I'm like, we're lined up. We have to do this. So I, I didn't know what else to say. So I just go, is everybody feeling all right? <laughs> like, I don't know. What am I going to start taking fucking temperatures? <laughs> so, so then the three of them are like, oh, yeah, yeah. He's like, we're all good. He's like, we've been moving. He's like, we had to sign papers that said all of us feel fine and have none of the symptoms. But obviously, it doesn't work. It is what it is. Like, So at that point, I'm just like, I just stayed six feet away. They moved our stuff back. We wiped all of our shit down. And, you know, it's tough. It's like, but, you know, once you make the choice to move back, you know, and there was a bunch of reasons we moved back. It's like, we, you, it's not like you have, I can't just get Dan Hamilton to come up and help me move. I can't call up friends. You know, it's like everybody's social distancing. You want to put anybody at risk. So these companies that are still working, you know, and it's not even for us. Like I, I would think these guys would want to wear masks for themselves and all that. You know, they're moving all of our shit. They don't know what, what our situation is. So anyway, that was extremely, extremely stressful. And I just sort of acquiesced and was like, I did, all I can do is keep my distance and we can just sort of wipe this stuff down when you get back to Hamilton. And yeah, but that was, yeah, that was on a uh, Saturday. So we're settled in now. We, we feel good. Yeah. But like I said, uh, it, it, it's, it's really great to be back, man. Born and raised. I, I, we love Hamilton. It's just, we both, we worked downtown in Toronto. So that's why we were there. And now we both work from home. So <laughs> why not work in our home, which has been really, really, really nice. And we were lucky. Actually, one of the reasons, if people are wondering about the machinations of it all, one of the reasons we moved back is, um, so we rented in Toronto and we had um, renters here at our house in, in Hamilton. Um, and they actually, unrelated to COVID, they moved out anyway in uh, February. So we were kind of in the process of like looking for the renters. We were going to keep our, our apartment. And then this happened and we sort of had a choice to make where we were like, do we get renters during COVID, like, what does that even look like? How do you meet with anybody? How did even showing? So we were like, forget it. Let's just go back. Like, literally, like Winona uh, hadn't been outside in like eight days or at some point because it's just like you don't really you want to observe all of the protocols and it's just hard with a baby. They want to touch everything, but like I felt like she was starting to feel like the <laughs> the weight of the isolation. She would just stand like at our window, like high up in the in, in this in, in the building, and she would just stare out at the city like a billionaire with like a lot of regrets, like this old person that's just like you know very like sad. And I'm like, okay, we need to get that kid a backyard. And luckily, we were we were lucky enough to have the situation. I know a lot of people don't uh, who are in buildings, and man, my heart goes out to them because it's not easy with a toddler in a small space and especially if you have to have like sort of common areas like like uh, elevators and all that stuff so i ran into uh scott uh vanessa's husband and yeah. their little uh, yeah and their little baby geneva today uh, or was it yesterday uh, like just on the street and i you know kept my distance by like i don't know if i've ever met geneva i mean i know i think i met her one time but she's she's probably like a year maybe and she just smiled at me like the biggest smile. I was like, oh, this is a very friendly kid. And then Scott's like, she must be happy to see somebody that's not her mom or dad. Like, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he was like, okay, sick. I don't have to look at these people. Uh, you know, someone else is paying me attention. So I just thought that's a funny thought. Speaking of uh, running into neighbors and people from Hamilton, I have to say uh, my good friend Shane Cunningham and his wife, Alexandra uh, Cunningham, uh, came down and they gave us some chairs all while social distancing but they knew we moved back they knew that we had this backyard but we don't have any sort of like backyard furniture or anything so they came down with lou uh and they they dropped off some chairs which was so nice but you just got me thinking max about how nice it is to see people i haven't seen anybody in like two months almost and then we saw shaney boy and alex and lou's awesome to see lou and you know the last time we hung out was after the raptors republic tournament uh we all went for a bite and lucy and winona were like on a 
pool table, sort of like throwing pool balls around, having a laugh. And it was just like, man, that feels like three years ago now because it just goes so long. But it was really, really, really nice to to see people in person. And Shaney, thank you for those chairs. They're nice. I sat on them today. Oh, no problem. It was an essential service to me. <laughs> <laughs> to you. <laughs> uh, but, but the Bulls. The Bulls. That's how you do a segue. Right, right off the top, <laughs> I wanted to play a game uh, Bulls related. Yeah. Because I was thinking there's Phil Jackson, Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, and Rodman are the main characters of this doc. I know where you're going, yeah. and I like so this. So obviously, I, I know the answer, but uh, who, who do you guys think we are? Mm. Wow. Uh, go for it, Max. Why don't you assign us all a character? Or Erica. Erica, uh, do you have any thoughts? Have you been watching the documentary, Erica? I have, yeah. I actually watched the, the most recent two episodes today. Mm. I, it's incredible. I knew nothing really about michael jackson to be quite honest with you guys i was born in 96 you so still don't really his name's jordan Eric. it's michael jordan were you watching a different doc oh did i say michael jackson yeah you were yeah. watching this yeah. is it oh i meant i obviously meant <laughs> both are great ball handlers <laughs> oh, that's terrible um okay i i actually think i know mike is phil jackson oh mm. um Shane, I don't. Shane, would you be like, you would be Dennis Rodman? Yeah, <laughs> of course I'd be Rodman. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Max, I, I guess Max would be MJ. Yeah, Thank he's the you. star, and you're Scottie Pippen. Actually, no, Mike is Scottie Pippen, probably. I think Mike's more coach-like, to be honest. I think Mike is Jordan. Mm, Mike wow. is Jordan. You're, Max, Max, That's you're true. the most zen, you're the most zen and delegating and true. the puppet master. You're mm. Phil Jackson. Ah. Mike is Jordan. You give him the ball. You throw him in any situation. He can handle himself. Erica's the Pippin. She's kind of like you know underrated. Doesn't get enough credit. And then I'm Rodman. <laughs> like people just love me, right? <laughs> <laughs> and you love to party and uh you know date madonna oh and i love to Electra party i'm unpredictable i could do anything right now and people would say yeah you know he's unpredictable but that's predictable for shane you know what's funny is when i was watching the clips of how rodman plays and just because you actually we've talked about this on the podcast before but you have abnormally long arms and when i watched the way that dennis yeah. rebounds by tapping himself the ball relentlessly it, yeah, it reminds me a lot of how you hoop when we play pickup Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, he's also very unorthodox. Robin was like one of my favorite players growing up, so I really liked liked his game. Yeah, Shane, you do actually act like him on the court too, because like you kind of Robin would do these funny shovel passes and just sort of like run around unpredictably mm-hmm. and stuff like that. You're very Dennis Robin. Now that I think of it, it's good. Yeah, I know. But how are we like in the dock, like for just its filmic quality? Yeah, well, you know, was, um, I was thinking about this today because I was like, I'm loving the dock. Anybody, any of my dude friends that I've been talking to, like yourselves, um, they're like, this is the best. And you're just reliving this like amazing time in sports. But I was wondering, I was like, am I looking at this? Are we all looking at this through rose colored glasses that we just like miss MJ? We're missing basketball right now. Is this inflated in our mind in any way? But so it was very interesting to hear Erica you know, talk about Michael Jackson and being un- unaware <laughs> of, uh, of, uh, of the situation and enjoying it. So I'm kind of want to hear from Erica first. What, what, what about the documentary do you like so much? Well, it's, it's just great journalism. I think it's the stories being told unreal. I like how they're releasing two one hour episodes a week. So I guess it's only going to take five weeks for the, it all to be released, but each episode, uh, kind of focuses in a little bit like on a, a new player, a new, character from the 
from the time, but I, I haven't seen like an assholey side of MJ yet. I just like how real MJ's being. He's not scared to swear. He's not afraid to like conflict with Isaiah Thomas. The part yeah. when Isaiah was saying nobody shook hands after uh, games, like that was some precedent or that was a normal thing. MJ watched that with contempt. He's like, fuck that. He's like, watch last year. Watch the years that we lost in the championship many times. We fucking shook hands. Yeah. You know, I, I just love how MJ's not playing nice at all. And he's just so accomplished. He has so much freedom to say whatever the fuck he wants. It's yeah, amazing. I also think that um, so much of MJ, and you can tell this in all the press conference interviews he does before and after every game, he's such an old school gentleman, like when he's playing. Like the only thing you really knew about MJ was he was a killer on the court. After the game, he kind of said all the right things. He was very sort of traditional in that way. Like he just felt like a classic kind of guy. And then you knew him for his commercials where he was like this like charismatic, you know, funny. He was in like, you know, Bugs Bunny, Space Jam, Nike commercials with Spike Lee. Like you knew that sort of like slightly more fun side of him. But you never saw him really talk shit. But so to see him yeah. like talk shit so openly 30 years after the fact and just be like, I am the greatest, and and not have such a veneer up. I thought that is really interesting, because you never really got that mm -hmm. part of MJ when he was actually playing. But And I love how they show him during that time period how he was when it wasn't in the public eye, like just on the uh, Handycam, yeah. when he's playing cards. But he's like, this guy's an alcoholic. This guy's out till 4 a.m. every night. And he's just saying how he's like cheating on his girlfriend. He's like, don't say this, Michael. Michael, don't, Michael, don't say this. It's a side you never got to see of Michael during that time period, which is very cool. One thing I thought was very interesting. Well, two things. I agree with you. I think Jordan is very, he's so charismatic and funny. He seems like a sort of guy you kind of want to have a drink with and play cards with. Like, he's just like, he's genuinely sort of. Funny, I really liked when, when Dennis gets permission to go to Vegas, uh, like mid season. Dennis is, he needs a break. I guess he needs, uh, you know, he needs to get away for his own mental, uh, well being. And so he asked for 48 hours in Vegas. Uh, Phil Jackson, who's, you know, like we said, he's sort of like, he sees the big picture. He understands Dennis. He's like, listen, if we let him go for 48 hours, we're going to have him back for the rest of the season better. But then it cuts to Mike and Mike's like, I told him, if you let this dude go to Vegas, He's not coming back in 48 hours. Like just the way that Mike was so honest about it was hilarious. Oh yeah. Um, but one thing I wanted to ask you guys in the episode one, I thought it was so fascinating. I don't know if you guys saw this clip or caught this, but when they go and play a preseason game in France, there's a guy that sets up Mike the with, the, with the lav mic. He basically puts the mic on Jordan uh, and then he asks Jordan to sign a piece of paper. And then Jordan just sort of yeah. like looks at his like bodyguard dude and the dude just gives him like a bro like why are you why are you ask for this i i find it so interesting because it's like on some level i get it the guy putting the lav mic on him is supposed to be professional and asking michael jordan for an autograph at that moment in time is very unprofessional but at the same time it's like it's this guy that works at some price little local television station in france that michael jordan's going on and it would be the moment of a lifetime i, I just find it so fascinating what did you guys think of michael not not even acknowledging the guy's existence, just looking like away when the guy asked for the autograph. Max, go ahead. I'm, yeah, I'm so afraid of MJ. Like, I would not actually want to go hang out and have a beer with him because I just feel like everything would turn into like a really competitive game. And I would just be afraid of like disappointing him or, or feeling stupid around him. And I, just, I was trying to think, like, is there anybody else in my life that I'd be that terrified of? And I can't really think of anybody. Like, wouldn't he, aren't you guys afraid of him? Uh, Shane, like, like in that kind of 
Yeah. Oh, sorry, Mike. Go ahead. Sorry. No, you, you, what you bring up is actually very true. His energy is actually the sort of energy that I've probably avoided. Like it's definitely alpha, but you start to feel like, like you're going to kind of laugh when he's, it's like razzing. It's fun at first. And the thing is all of us, like a champagne boys, we'll, we'll make jokes, but it's like, I don't think at least in my experience, it goes so far that it's like, now it's like it's turned almost like carnal or something. Whereas like MJ, it feels like it might turn into like Lord of the Flies and MJ is not going to lose. So you just kind of try and avoid the eye of Sauron because it's like if he focuses on you and wants to eviscerate you, it's like it's almost like being one of his teammates. Like if you're not strong and if you're not Steve Kerr and you're not willing to punch him back, you're probably going to shrink in the moment. And it's probably not that fun to hang out with him. It's like when Bill Wennington had his little camcorder on the team plane and then Michael Jordan's like, oh, are you just one of the press? Oh, fuck you. Get out of here. And, he's, and, and Winnington's trying to stand up for himself. He's like, no, uh, no, I'm just uh, – he's like, uh, Ahmad Rashad probably makes more money than me. He's like, Ahmad doesn't make more money than you. Fuck off. Like, And then Scott Burrell, who he's making fun of for going out too late. It's just like all – and all the guys outside of Pippen and Rodman, who are also probably afraid of them in their own way, are just such role players uh, that it's – like everybody's acquiesces to everything he does, it seems. Oh, I think I would be very scared to talk to Jordan in a social setting, but I would love, I think, to get hammered with him and to play like any sport with him, like ping pong, like casually, like pickup. But I think just as it, his uh, personality is so strong and intimidating, I'd be very uncomfortable with him in any other setting. Back to Rodman, uh, this story is insane, by the way. Like, is there any other example of um, a star athlete just leaving the team in the middle of the season because he needs to, to let loose and party and then the team being generally okay with it like I don't think it's ever happened before or after and it actually kind of I, I've been joking about this I think a little bit maybe on the pod earlier about how like after this is all done we all need like a 48 hour purge where you can just go out and you know do whatever you want and that's basically what Dennis Rodman I've never identified more with Dennis Rodman you know because Rodman's whole thing was I, like he's like listen I've been putting in overtime right now Pippen was out for the first 35 games. I've been going above and beyond. I need a break. All right. I need to go to Vegas <laughs> and I need to party. Cool. Everybody cool. And I feel like most people uh, in quarantine right now probably feel that they could say that reasonably to their partner. The partner would be like, all right, see you in a couple of days. Like <laughs> you know, once we're let, let out of the house. Yeah. Uh, and so it's just like, I, I and, and, I can't uh, recall. Was this a story in the press as it was happening? Like, what, did was it an open secret, or did, did people report on this while he went to Vegas? I, I don't remember ever hearing anything of it, and I feel like I really had my ear to the ground at that time. But like, the internet wasn't what it is now, so you could bury that shit easy. Oh, you couldn't do that yeah. this day and age without a bajillion cameras, without people. Think about how big that NBA story would be if Draymond Green, during like a, a Warrior season, just decided to go to Vegas for forty eight hours and miss a couple games. He like it would be the biggest NBA story. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think that could even happen in this era. But do we think Jordan actually got on a plane and went to Vegas and went in the room? Like, is that what actually happened? Just Jordan? Apparently. Yeah, I guess Carmen Electra just did an interview with the LA Times after this aired, describing her time with Dennis um, way more in depth than in the doc. And she said that Michael came to the door, like legit. And it's so funny you asked that, Shane, because I kind of wanted them to go more into depth about the mechanics of that. Do they send Jordan on the like... Yeah, how do you find him? Is it like, do they send Jordan on the Bulls plane to Vegas? Are they playing on a West Coast trip and Jordan just shoots down to Vegas? Like, what? how does Michael Jordan physically get there? And like you said, Shane, find him 
in his hotel room? Like, does he have someone's cell phone? Does he talk to Dennis's manager? Does he, does someone reach out to Carmen Electra? And then it's like, oh, he's at the MGM Grand. Then Jordan probably goes to the MGM Grand. He's like, what room is Dennis in? They, they tell him, but I'd love, I just, I need a mini doc on how Jordan tracked him down and how he got there. That's all I was thinking about. And okay. (laughs) If I went, if I went rogue and we had to record a pod and you guys couldn't find me and I went like partying in, I don't know, Binbrook or something, (laughs) who would you, who would you send to find me? Oh, good question. Mandra Ash, probably. She'd be good at that. Really? I couldn't imagine her at the door coming to get me. Mm. I'd come get you. I think I, f- you think it would be you? Well, I'm just saying I would do it. I mean, if someone else wasn't available, I, I would come get you just out of concern. I think Sean Dawson, maybe. Would Sean do it? I like keeping it within the pod group. Oh, within the pod group. Oh, uh. Like I, I'm all drugged out and tripping out. And I might I'm do having it. Having a panic attack. I feel like you would do it, Max. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Max would do it. And Max would like be ready to drive you to rehab and you know, all that stuff. Max would already have a plan for you. <laughs> He'd have like a five point plan in order to get you back and feeling good again. <laughs> but did you read in the Carmen Electra uh, part of that story? And I haven't read it, but Alex, I think, told me that her and Rodman had uh, made whoopee on the practice court in Chicago. Did you no. read that? I think on the actual court. I think they did it at the United Center, like in the, on the main court. At halftime, or was this before game? <laughs> I or, mean, the 90s or, were a different time. <laughs> <laughs> no internet, man. You could do whatever you wanted. Uh, the, 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 yeah, so she read, the, Alex read the same article as I did. The way I understood it is they did it all over the United Center, including on the court. So I just assumed it was like late at night when the court wow. was up. Man, I hope there's more Rodman stuff in the dock. Like I found anytime Rodman was on the screen, I was just so captivated. You know, it does make me think about the way we perceive LeBron versus the way we perceive Michael. And Michael had the benefit of people not knowing as much about him. And so like with LeBron and the era of being a celebrity with social media, it's like you have to kind of broadcast a lot of your life. So it's like we know what LeBron's house looks like. We know on Tuesdays he eats tacos with his family. We know like what kind of like gift he got for his wife for her birthday, like all these things. Whereas Jordan, you really didn't know that much about him. And it really like, I think everything about it is cooler. I think it's a, it's a classic rule that if you don't know as much about a person, the more mystery there is, the more you can let your imagination kind of end the legend grow of that person. And so it's like just Michael Jordan, like, and he objectively moves in a cool way. He's got cool style. He looks, he's like a very good looking guy. He's obviously great at a sport, but like, him wearing the beret all the time, I fucking love so much. Oh, everything he wore was amazing. He made yeah, everything every look good. Single thing. That would look so dumb on anybody else. Like, if I pulled up in a sweet car and got out to do a podcast wearing what Michael Jordan was wearing, I don't think you guys would have stopped laughing even by now. Like, I would look so <laughs> dumb. Just the thought of it, Mike, I can't stop laughing. I remember, the, I remember speaking of those berets, I don't know if you guys remember, but like, during like, uh, like, <laughs> like i don't know if it was the nagano olympics or something but like all the olympic athletes like wayne gretzky was wearing the backwards beret a lot and like i remember trying to pull that look off like the samuel l jackson hats? Exa- the kangoo hats but they were like olympic hats yeah. and so i would try to wear like those poor boy hats backwards so so dumb i don't remember that era mike yeah oh, i wish i did i'd be laughing right now <laughs> thinking of it yeah. but um <laughs> Oh, uh, do you think if Jordan was in today's era, he would be doing TikToks and stuff? Or would he still be too cool to do that shit? Like, like you know, LeBron is doing TikToks with his It's a great question. It's like, what would his reputation be like? This is good, actually a good thought experiment because it's like, would he be more surly asshole like Draymond Green? Because he's got a bit I of a Draymond be, streak to him. I think he'd be like a more, a slightly more open Kawhi. 
I think he'd be like a Ooh. like I think he'd be more interested. I think Jordan's just naturally more charismatic in interviews, and Kawhi has more of a deadpan charisma. Like Kawhi's a funny, smart guy. You can tell that some of the stuff is calculated. Like I just think Jordan would probably try to keep his shit on lock the way that Kawhi does, and and it's like Kawhi likes that you don't know much about Kawhi. I think Jordan would pr- try to operate more like that. That'd be my guess. The only thing though about about that uh, idea is that Jordan is really competitive, and I feel like Jordan would see, you know, let's say he was living in this time or playing in this time, and he'd see like, oh man, LeBron's sneakers are selling a lot. Do, do I have to go on fucking TikTok to move my shoes? Or oh, so and so's got the biggest uh, jersey seller in the league. Ah oh, shit, that's because they're out there on Instagram all day long. Like there is a mount, a bit of you're selling yourself that happens with all these athletes like it's they are branding themselves all the time and jordan did care about that he was like the best at branding in the 90s but the difference is that he didn't have to do as much when it came to like social media yeah i don't know jordan was like it was in the era of like i think a lot of smart people built that brand and jordan showed up and was in commercials now like you like you said lebron's got to like do this taco Tuesday thing. Like everybody's like their own little mini marketing sort of department and advertising executive and creative writer and all that stuff. It seemed like Jordan was just mostly focused on playing basketball, but I guess, I guess to your point, like everybody is a product of their era. And so LeBron is a product of being a guy that lives in an era of social media. So he does it. So maybe Jordan would, maybe old Jordan is on like Instagram and all this shit secretly and sort of loving social media. It's a good question. I I don't know. Maybe, maybe you're right. So you guys, uh, but just to wrap this uh, Jordan stuff, everybody's all in. Everybody's loving this doc. I wonder how many people, I mean, I know it's like the, the most watched doc, I think, on in ESPN history, but I still don't think the numbers are like, I thought they were going to be like crazy, crazy because everybody's indoors. But I guess ultimately, you know, a doc about like a, a team from 30 years ago or whatever is still, uh, or 20 years ago is is not as universal as I guess I thought it was. Do you know what I mean? Like, didn't you guys think this, like, it seems like everybody's talking about it, but isn't it just the people that we know and sports media? Yeah, it, it might be just in our basketball loving circles. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think it's reached out to my mom or anything. Mm. Another thing actually made me appreciate was just the last thing here is Phil Jackson's career, because obviously Phil was the coach for all the championships teams in the, in the 90s with the Bulls. But he also was Kobe and Shaq's championship winning coach. I'm just like, oh, my God, that guy like had a whole second chapter. Well, actually, it wasn't even the second chapter. It would have been his like fourth chapter because he was a player at, for, at first. Then he was a coach overseas or, or uh, South America, it sounded like, or Central America. And then he came back to America, coached uh, the Bulls, and then the Lakers. So that that is a crazy life. Uh, almost kind of like a Nick Nurse-esque, and which is why you know uh, Phil and Nick connected uh, before the Raptors championship season. That's right. Yeah. Very cool inside uh, knowledge for you guys. Uh, okay, let's move on to our next topic. Uh, guys, we're talking UFOs. Um, the Pentagon releases three UFO videos taken by U.S. Navy pilots. The previous, previously leaked videos. So these have been leaked before. I actually had seen these, and these kind of caused an uproar. People had talked about these videos before uh, because they were leaked, uh, but they've finally been declassified to sort of clear up any misconceptions uh, on whether they were real. So these videos are real, these sort of unidentified flying objects. Uh, I don't think there's an explanation for what they are. Um, yeah, what do you guys think of this? So what do you think of the Pentagon releasing these things officially and and uh, the possibility that maybe they are? We are being visited by people from uh, well, <laughs> another place. <laughs> the, the, 
the the problem is people always forget what the acronym UFO stands for. Yeah. All it is is unidentified flying object. It doesn't mean alien. <laughs> so it's like I had a bug walking through my house the other day and Alex and I we, like we thought it was a bed bug at first. We took a photo of it and we couldn't figure out what kind of bug it so was. So it's a UFO. So it's just it's an unidentified walking bug. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> But that's all. It's just a piece of debris flying through the air, and it was filmed. And they're like, "I don't know what the fuck that was. But I don't know what is that shit. I don't know." And that's it. It's just video of something they couldn't identify. Every day we see things we can't identify. The fact that it's flying doesn't make it any more alien than anything else. <laughs> well, a little bit more because it's flying yeah. in the air. Why a- aliens? What? Why can't aliens walk on Earth? No, no well, maybe a- maybe aliens not the right word, but it is a little more mysterious, I guess. Than some than something else it's you see in your house. Though. <laughs> yeah, and I think like the okay. uh, the speed at which it traveled and its ability to sort of change directions. Um, I guess the patterns and then the velocity with which which it traveled is makes it something that's not only unexplainable, but oh, the video I saw it was just going in one direction, just like you know from from right to left it was it was flying. yeah i think they like tracked or them. gliding it, they tracked them in sort of three of them and then they sort of extrapolated how fast it was going and then its ability to sort of like stop and change directions i think i read again i read about these when they were leaked so that was a little while ago um but more importantly can we talk about how they were leaked and the tom's long connection because i don't really get that sorry to interrupt if you're going somewhere else with that it's <laughs> a great question no i mean well, were they leaked or I thought it was an official announcement? For, no, today was. Well, they had to do an announcement because of the leak. Yeah. Why do you think that they are uh, that they chose to hide it in the first place, though? If they just didn't know, why do you just go? Yeah, I'm not sure what that is, but there's probably some explanation for it. Like, well, why do they have to be so secretive? I think it spirals conspiracy theorists out of control. If you give them an inch, they'll take a mile. Okay. So they're like, uh, let's keep these people at bay. Like this video is just nothing. But uh, okay. Tom DeLong got on it and then things were already out of control. So it was doing more damage than good by trying to hide it. It just kept the conspiracy at a fever pitch. So they're like, fine, fuck. We don't know what this object is. It's a UFO. The other thing too is if if it is like... Some things they don't know is like, let's say that like, let's say it's not UFO. Let's say it's like, say like a Russian, some sort of technology from a, from a foreign government that they're observing that they can't quite decipher what it is yet. They don't want to release that because. But that is a UFO. No, it is. You're right. But, but the reason that the government doesn't want to release that is because that's important information to the American government. So they don't, so they know that the people, like if you release to the people, they're going to think, oh, it's aliens. But they're saying, no, this information is important because that could be a Russian plane or a Chinese plane or some sort of stealth technology that we're not advanced enough to be at yet. That could be one reason why you would want to like not, I guess, release it or be mad that it's released because you don't think it's an alien, but something that's a danger to national security, I guess. But then people automatically think they're hiding it because it's, it's aliens. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, they've even changed the acronym from UFO to something else because they know people don't hear UFO when you say UFO, they just hear alien. Yeah. I can check online here, but yeah, anyway. How, how do you guys, um, you know, how much of your mind is occupied with conspiracy theories? Because I have about 0% in my mind when it comes to cons- conspiracy theories. Like, I just don't think about it. I don't care whether it's like, who shot JFK? Uh, is there UFOs? Did we put a man on the moon? I, th- these are things I don't concern myself with whatsoever. Where, where do you guys uh, stand stand when it comes to conspiracy theories? Do you have any, I guess? 
No. For me, I find every year older I get, I give that much less of a shit about them. Like when I was 18 and all those loose change documentaries explained why the towers <laughs> fell perfectly, I was all in. You know, I, you couldn't convince me that it wasn't an inside job. But every year that's passed, it, I just realized how dumb I was back then. <laughs> <laughs> Mike? I no, I'm not a. Uh, I I just I feel like I, I always go with whatever is the most plausible. And the reason that a conspiracy theory is a conspiracy theory is because it's 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 just like so much has to go into place for like something like 9/11 to be an inside job. So many people have to kind of know about it, and then it would sort of leak in an obvious way, or maybe not. Like conspiracy theorists would think that we sound naive and that we're all sheeple, and that's what they want you to believe. My sort of position is. What, what good is it going to do if if I if I do think nine eleven was an inside job? Like I know what the world is thinking, so it's like you're just sort of yelling at the the, the sky uh, with mo- a lot of these things. Like, did someone land on the moon? I think somebody landed on the moon. If they faked it, it's like how does that really change our lives right now? So, like you, Max, I don't really put much brain power into any of that stuff because it doesn't necessarily alter uh, the way we're living or the outcomes of things. But I do want to know everything. Like I sometimes I just think. I wish I knew who JFK was. I wish I could just snap my fingers and know every little mystery in the world. It's more mystery-based than conspiracy. Do you think uh, there are people that, like, you know, high-ranking... Do you think Barack Obama knows a bunch of stuff that we don't know? He he must, right? Like, you think first day of the presidency, they just sit you down and they're like, okay, here's every (laughs) secret ever. I used to think that there was something like that. Like, you get access. Like, think of, like, an archive. Like, if it's like, I want to see everything on Roswell. Bring it to me now. I used to think that. But now I think, if that was true, don't you think Trump would have spilled the beans on everything? Like, he gets so excited. Like, if they had told him there's aliens, he would have told us in the first two weeks. Oh, yeah. Like, he would have tried to beat around the bush. Like, I know some things. I can't say what might be alien-related. And then then he would get, yeah, then he would tweet it late at night. Tweet it. And then he would delete the tweet. Exactly. Erica, do you believe in conspiracy theories? No. No, not really. I I don't have much time for them. But I've been at my parents' house for a while with all my brothers and sisters. And I think my little brother might be a bit of a conspiracy theorist because he says some wacky stuff and i and i'm just like did you read that on the internet and he's like well yeah like but think about it and i'm like yeah (laughs) but no like and it actually freaks me out because i think like all these kids having access to the internet and curious minds and rebellion inside of them it's a horrible concoction for these young conspiracy theorists how old is he he's 18 yeah Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Every conspiracy theorist, that, that's their comeback to any question. You, they just have to say, well, think about it. Think about <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys, okay, I'm going to go around the table here. Um, uh, so this is a two-part question. One, do you think that aliens exist? And two, do you think that they have visited the Earth at some point? Uh, Max, we'll start with you. Uh, yes and no. I think they, they probably exist. There's probably, I mean, it's a big, vast place out there that I don't care to think about. But I don't think they visited planet Earth. <laughs> I want this to make like headlines tomorrow. <laughs> Just because there's so much attention on yeah. you right now. Like Max says, aliens definitely exist. <laughs> also, doesn't know the difference between a mule and a mole. Uh, Erica, do you, <laughs> yeah. do, what, do you believe that aliens exist and have they visited the Earth? Uh, I think, yeah, I think they exist. And I think that they, um, th- perhaps if they have visited earth but we might not know it's because they might be in a different like form than what we know to be as matter Mm. 
Mm. Think about it. Yeah. <laughs> Good callback. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like, we might not be able to see them or touch them. Weird. Manager Ash just texted me, said, Aliens ru- ruined my childhood. I didn't sleep for like four <laughs> years after I saw a fucked episode of The X Files. Fuck aliens. So that's Manager Ash's take on <laughs> Oh, I thought she was going to say in fire the in the sky. Yeah. So terrifying. <laughs> that me that abduction scene is so real. Yeah. Shani, do you believe that aliens exist and have they visited the Earth? I think yes, they exist and no. And I think too, like p- when people think of aliens, they think of like how they look in the movies Humanoids. that we see. <laughs> yeah. But I think aliens are probably like little like dust mites and bug-like creatures that aren't half as exciting. More like Horton Hears a Who. What is that? Horton Hears a Who, you know? But are they aliens? It was a tiny little world that lives on a speck of dust, but it's this whole world oh. and society. But they're very oh, small. I have to check that out. Yeah, Lucy would love it. Hmm. Um, All right. What? Oh, am I next with the topic? Yeah, Shane's surprise. Let's hit it. Okay, I, I kind of alluded to this in our text group. It's it's again, it's kind of in the conspiracy realm. So, do we think Kim Jong Un is dead or alive? <laughs> and and I know this is going to be a weird topic. You're going to be like, why would you ask this part? Has anything like this happened to you <laughs> where people thought you were <laughs> you were like injured or dead, but you weren't? And the reason I ask is because when I was young, a kid was hit on a bicycle in front of my house and my mom pissed her pants. She was so scared. She thought I was like killed on my driveway. I didn't go to school that next day. A rumor started going around my school that I was either dead or in a coma. And then I got all these letters of condolence and concern. So it was kind of like a Kim Jong-un-esque situation (laughs) that I was in. So I'm wondering, one, do you think he's alive? And two, has anything even remotely similar like that happened to you where people, the rumors of your death were greatly exaggerated? And three, have you ever pissed your pants? He, oh, <laughs> I pissed my pants tons of times. <laughs> it runs in the family. <laughs> oh, yeah. Lucy's obsessed with doing All right. That. Who wants to start this? Ma- Ma- Maxie, you start it. Yeah, well, it's funny, uh, you know, Bill Simmons coined, I think, uh, with the Tyson zone, or it could be the Rodman zone, where any piece of information about a celebrity that's been acting erratically like, would not surprise you. And Kim Jong-un definitely falls into this category. So if you were to tell me that he actually died four months ago, I'd be like, yeah, okay, <laughs> makes sense. If you were to say, no, he's never been in better shape, he's like, he comes out with his shirt off and he's like so ripped, you'd be like, okay, that totally makes sense too. <laughs> like nothing would surprise me. Um, but it is definitely an oddity in the modern world that there's like the leader of, uh, of a country and no one has any real information for, about them, about him, because they're so closed off from everything. But uh, yeah, I, so I don't know. But uh, to answer the second part, I don't think anything like this has ever happened to me. But let me think about that for a second. Uh, Mike, what, what you're do you not think about- scared to answer questions now because I said the thing might make the paper. Are you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I just, I just. You answer think. both things down the middle now. Come on, Max. Is he dead or alive? Oh, um, I think, I think he's dead. Whoa! Okay. If I if I had to guess, that's a cold take. Yeah. Wow, yeah. <laughs> that's pretty good. Thank you. Because um, dead people are cold. That's right. Um, okay, so what do I think? I think that he is alive and in bad shape. I think he's. I think they. I mean, I understand that. Like a lot of, I, there's probably a reason to withhold information, like you know, the stability of their country to sort of maintain an authoritarian sort of like regime information flow isn't really necessarily what that country is about uh to put it lightly 
but I would think that with these rumors swirling internationally, somebody like him who would like to present like a strong front, I think that he would come out and sort of prove that he is healthy if he could. So if he's not dead, I think he's probably in some sort of like bad state vegetative or whatever the hell that is. Um, as his people figure out what the next steps are, but I don't think he's like fine. That's my, my stance. And then has anything like that ever happened to me? Shane, your story is so unique. Like that they actually thought you were dead. <laughs> I'm not, um, no, no one's ever, thought. I did have a, one of my best. Oh, I was going to say that one of my best friends growing up didn't, he had a, a job like doing a paper route. Uh, he was at this point, he was like 20. He was like kind of like a little side gig, but he didn't want to go in on like a, or he didn't want to go deliver papers or something one day. Cause I think he was hung over. So when they called him to ask him about the papers not being delivered, he pretended to be his own dad and just said that he had passed away. And then they started sending flowers to the house or, or I guess the employer had sent like some sort of condolence gift bag to the house because he had passed away. Wow. So he faked his own death because he just didn't want to go into work. And then the, the, yeah, the employer sent his condolences. I, you know, with cell phones and everything, it's pretty easy to find an answer pretty quickly, right? But, uh, but there was something that happened to our trumpet player, Tom, about six months ago, maybe. We were on our way to a gig. It was in London, and we had to pick him up. Everybody was supposed to meet, actually, sorry, everyone was supposed to meet at Management Ash, Manager Ash's office, and Tom was nowhere to be found. And it was a one-off, so it wasn't like we were on tour. Because if you're on tour, you kind of have tabs on where everybody is. Um, and we called this phone, and he wasn't picking up. And then we uh, we tried to call a couple of his roommates. They were like, "Oh, I don't know where Tom is. And like he he's he's definitely like passed out or dead." I know he had mentioned that maybe things had been on the rocks with his old girlfriend, but is that true? Or are we just making this up? No one knows where he is. Um, we were about to DM his old girlfriend or his girlfriend at the time, but we didn't know the status of the relationship. And we're like, no, maybe we shouldn't do that. So, but we have to get to London for the show too, right? <laughs> we're like, do we play the show without the trumpet player? <laughs> so there's all these decisions that, that are happening all at once. And then um, he, and then finally we hear from Tom 15 minutes later. And Tom was just in the backyard reading a book. And he was like, no, like my parents <laughs> are totally fine. <laughs> what are you talking about? And it's like, oh, sorry. I'm, fuck. I just thought today was uh, Wednesday. Or I thought today was thursday and the gig's actually on wednesday shit I'll, I'll take an uber i'll meet you at dufferin and queen in 10 minutes and that was that <laughs> so it got, it, it got solved really quickly but in that moment his roommate was like really uh you know yeah painting a picture that that made it seem like he could be like in a ditch somewhere yeah uh erica what do you got i don't know i all i know is i do not like talking about kim jong-un in any capacity on record anything i don't like talking about this so I, I i don't want to share my opinion on this okay wow um, what about death story fake death story um no got, got nothing for that either <laughs> okay and I'm just I'll just, maybe he'll listen or maybe his people will listen and they'll seek us out and they'll want to have their way with us and who knows what will happen then and your brother's the weirdo conspiracy theorist yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And I just wanted to add to my story. My mom just didn't pee her pants for no reason. It was because I had gotten in a fight with my mom that same day where she told me I had to wear my helmet while I ride, rode my bike. And I told her, I'm never wearing my helmet when I ride my bike. 
And she said, you have to wear your helmet or something could happen to you. And I said, I don't care. So I, I took my bike out of the house but I with my helmet, but I put the helmet around the handlebars of the bike. So I rode without the helmet on my head. And that day is when a car hit a kid onto my house. So my mom pissed her pants because of that. She thought it was that serendipitous moment where her prediction came true. Also, I would say oh, that... Uh, I think it is completely reasonable if you think your child has been in an accident to react in any number of way, bodily, emotionally. I can't even imagine what mm. would happen to me if I thought that happened to my child. So Yeah, I just wanted to show like how she didn't just hear a, a bang and pissed her pants. She heard a bang after I left the house w- saying I wasn't going to wear my helmet. No, it's good. And I still think Clarify helmets it. aren't cool, but I do agree <laughs> that everyone should wear them. <laughs> it's like That's when you guys were wearing the life preservers in that music video, oh, yeah. Mike, where you were on the jet skis. Fuck. It was so uncool, but you know, if you drowned, I'd be so upset. <laughs>